Hello and welcome to the third episode of the rebooted official PlayStation Magazine podcast. Uh, I'm editor Matthew Pellets. And I'm the game's Ed Phil Ivaniuk. And I'm the news Ed Dave Michael. Brilliant, already like firing on all cylinders, like all on the same page. Where am I? Where am I? Uh, uh, this, is, this is a bit of a jet lag cast for me. I've just got back late last night from America where I was there for four or five nights um, doing some wrestling. Doing some wrestling. Doing, doing wrestling. Well, well, watching wrestling maybe and, and <laughs> speaking with some wrestlers and, and maybe doing some bedroom. Like, oh, God, no, that's not <laughs> bedroom wrestling, but that means something totally different. Oh, I, I meant just... I'm watching Borat now. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't doing that. Oh, my God. No, no, no. Um, but that was fun. So there might, there might be a little bit of WrestleMania talk later on in the podcast if you can stomach it. Um, we'll see. Mm. You can leave run there. Yeah, Phil looks dejected already. Um, uh, as we usually do in the podcast these days, we're going to start off with what we're playing right now. Uh, who wants to take the lead? Phil wants I'll, to take. Yeah, the lead. sure. I'll dip in. So I've been playing uh, a lot of of odd uh, little games that probably pass a lot of people by, like like Bladestorm Nightmare, and hopefully this one hasn't passed you by. Um, Helldivers, um, a fantastic uh, little indie. Uh, it plays a bit like Diablo 3 with guns, I'd say. Um, and it's got some really interesting ideas about co-op. It's really... I've, I, we, we played some together, didn't we, Mix? So it. um, it's got some really good, uncompromising ideas. Um, so friendly fire is always on. Mm-hmm. And so if there's an enemy kind of walking towards the pair of you and you're lined up, then the person at the back, Meeks, starts firing. Then the person at the front, me... Uh, we'll be down straight away. Um, can, can so, you, I, I've not played Helldivers. Right. Am I right in thinking you can duck underneath fire? Yes, you Is can. The whole yeah, diving can dive to the turf. And so, yeah, you need to communicate, basically. You need to say, right, there's a dude there. I'm going to fire at him. You need to duck. Don't you, Meeks? That's what you yes, need to so do. There's a lot of friendly fire in Helldivers. It's <laughs> um, part of its appeal. And you can also deploy sort of special... Um, equipment and abilities and things, and you do that by entering through like, the Konami code. Yeah, so it's all variations <laughs> on the Konami code. So you bring up a little menu with I think it's L one, yeah. and then you have to type in like up, down, right, left, up, up, uh, and then so you can drop in like a um, an airdropped turret, say. But then that turret, the friendly fire rules apply to the turret as well. So that your own turret can kill you, it can kill the person you're playing with. It's up to four players actually, so it can kill everybody. Okay. Um, and we found a, a nice tactic in just bunkering down and right laying prone the right at the turret <laughs> and just waiting for it to do its magic. Um, and uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun with that. Uh, I haven't, I still haven't really figured out the, it's a persistent world. The idea is that as the community of the game, you're pushing back the alien invading forces. So you take on missions across a sort of um, separated galaxy map, a bit like Mass Effect. And if you're particularly successful, if everybody pulls their missions in one area, then you repel that invading force there and humanity lives to fight another day. Every time I log back into the game, the war is lost. <laughs> <laughs> and the aliens have completely destroyed oh, what's going the on? entire galaxy. And you just have to start again. You get this quite sad cutscene of you know the aliens um, destroying everything and planets blowing up, and then you just start again. So I'm not sure if that's been fixed yet or if it's just really difficult, but we wait and see. Your little turret story reminds me of... Slightly different, but... Um, Half-Life 2, when you go through Ravenholm and you can get like mm. the spinning blades and you turn them on and duck underneath and the, the zombies all staggering. I've got a lot of time for like using traps in the environment for, for downing people rather than just 
going in with your, your own guns. I, 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 I'm sorry, I'm really distracted, Phil, because you're sat here in, in an awesome coat. In a full you look wool like, coat. like Bogart or something. <laughs> uh, like, what's going on? Well, it gets a little bit chilly down here. In previous podcasts, I've been quite nippy for quite some right. time, so I thought I'd overcompensate and turn up in a woolen coat. We, we could have cuddled instead. You don't have to go for well, like, yeah, well, weather gear. I'm always a little bit further out than you guys as well, but... Bring it in. We'll see. Bring it well, in. We'll see how it goes. We eh? should just say podcast regular Dom is, he is in today actually, but he's got a lot of work on and he's off all next week. So I think he just, he's just getting through some of the pages for the next issue. Uh, but he, he sends his love to all our podcast listeners. So uh, he'll be back next, next podcast. Don't you worry. Um, Mix, what are you playing? I've been dabbling into GT online again, just because of the heists. Um, they are good, but they are also very frustrating if playing with randoms, like they're, they're maddening if playing with randoms. Um, are they heist to see you to see you heist? They are of heist and men or Do heist, heist guys, guys finish, finish last, last yeah. as I recently yeah. punned in the magazine. Um, I, I really like the setup of them. They, they do feel like ever so slightly distilled versions of the heists from the main game, which I love. Um, so you have to do smaller setup missions, which all lead to one big heist at the end. Um, and you can kind of divvy up your pay whoever's organising the heist and decide how much each crew member is going to get. Uh, it's still got that lovely, like, kind of, really kind of pumping heat score that kind of builds up in, in kind of magnitude as the, the heist goes on. Uh, the, the problem is, most heists you have no team lines or one single life. So yep. if one person dies all the time, that's it. You have to restart the entire heist again or go back to a checkpoint, which is okay. usually five or six minutes gameplay. I was amazed, like, playing with some really high-level players People are just absolute bobbins at GTA. I was like, playing <laughs> at level 100. He was at level 100 rank. He must have played GTA Online for 40, 50 hours to get to that rank. He was useless, absolutely useless. We're doing a heist down at the docks. Uh, I had to like storm a ship. Every single time he'd use the same tactics and get killed by the same two men <laughs> behind the cancer. And after the fourth or fifth attempt, when I was managing to survive, it was always him getting killed. I just thought, you, you're completely the mercy of your teammates. So... The best experience I've had with it was playing with actual friends who I know in the flesh, and it was great. Played with friends over mics, all communicating, all properly coordinating, fantastic. Um, that actual dock heist I did again with uh, other people I know. It's got one of the canniest music segues in all of GTA. So you basically, uh, it's, a, it's an aircraft uh, carrier jet, whatever they're called. An aircraft carrier? Aircraft carrier, that's exactly what they're called. You end up like stealing a very high-powered military jet and just as you're blazing into the sky, um, Danger Zone kicks in, you know, the famous Top, mm. Gears, mm. Top, Top Gear song, the Top Gun song. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, it's, uh, well, that, that would be, that would be topical. Um, yeah, it's just a, it's a, one of those great GTA musical moments. Did you just say you did a, a heist on a ship there, Meeks? A heist on a ship, yes. How did you cope with that? Like, was it in a dry dock? Uh, oh, because there was water. Yeah, I mean that was. Oh, what, 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 there must be a term for a fear of water. Something. It would hydrophobia. Be hydrophobia. hydrophobia yeah. Yeah. In fact, that was a game. That was a game. It oh, wasn't was a very a good game, 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 but it was a game. It did exist actually, on TSN. To, to to quell this myth, I actually like swimming a lot. I just don't like drinking. Water, <laughs> what, you like swimming? Yeah, I love swimming. Yeah. Sometimes the water is going to go in your mouth as you're swimming along. Well, that's. You realise yeah, that? I mean, I'll, I'll spit it back out. That's that's fine. 
In fact, this reminds me of a horrible, horrible anecdote to go slightly off topic. It was uh, like a swimming Because we're so on topic there. right now. We're always on topic. There was a swimming... Maybe I've even told this... I don't think I've told this particular water anecdote before. Swimming gala in school when we were all teenagers. My friend hocked up this amazing oh, come greenie. On. Come and on. it was like visible from the sides. You know, it was that big and it's floating around. And oh, then this other on. kid I I know this. Um, was swimming along and just taking these big, no, like over-exaggerated <laughs> gulps. Stop, stop, stop. And, and then I it went. Did it. No. And once you've seen that happen, like that stays with, this was maybe like 14 years ago now. That's really traumatizing. Still in there. Still in there, never going to go away. It's not, it's not going to go away for the readers. I'm really sorry, <laughs> listeners. That's that's awful. Um, it's funny that you've been playing heists, Meeks, because uh, so have we, just not in a game. This is true. So Phil and Segway. I... Actually, that's quite a good segue. Yeah, Phil, uh, unplanned as well. Like, we're so off script, you won't believe it, but it's that was, that was a natural... Literally not script. Natural off um, So me and Phil, we teamed up with uh, Milf, our editor. We teamed up with Mr Trophy. Ian Wilson, and we teamed up some fr- with some random guy from the street, or, or your <laughs> mate, right? My mate, also called mates. Ian. <clears throat> and we went to London, and we actually did a real-life battlefield hardline heist. Uh, and it was awesome. So EA teamed up with this events crew, and I, I guess it ran for a couple of weeks. I didn't see all the details, but they were yeah. doing these real-life um, like teams of five going in and breaking into like an underground vault and stealing some stuff. Uh, and we ran around hiding from guards or not hiding because a certain man to my left got caught by the guards <laughs> at one point. Very unsuccessfully hiding. What happened to me was that Ian is is quite a compact gentleman and was able to fit underneath a desk very capably, leaving me absolutely nowhere to hide. So when the guards found me, and I basically I spent the night being interrogated in a holding cell <laughs> while these guys were running around. Tell me with <laughs> uh, I mean, it was quite quite amazing, really. We had a, a hell of a lot of fun. Um, we yeah, so th- so basically, we had to go into this basement area of this guy's mansion. It wasn't really his mansion; it's just some house in London. But the basement area they'd hired out, uh, and there were guards who were patrolling it. And basically, we had to go and rescue a VIP. Uh, there was a guy who was chained up, taken hostage. We had to rescue him. We had to break into the vault. Uh, we and we had to find like padlock codes and keypad codes in order to get into the vault. And then once in the vault, we had to use keys to unlock lockers and recover a hard drive with sensitive data on it. And then also steal whatever else we could find um, and then make it back to the base where we started off. Uh, and yeah, and then we got our, our total totted up because every item that we recovered was worth a certain amount of value. And I've not checked the latest leaderboard actually, but of all of the people that, that have done it, um, we were in fourth place, which was yeah, really was impressive because there were a lot of people on like zero dollars recovered. And we, we got like $377,000, fake dollars. <laughs> I'll, I'll make that very clear, uh, recovered. It was all for, I mean, it was a big competition that EA and this events team were running in. Like you could legitimately win up to 10 grand. We obviously were exempt from that because um, we went along. We've got something in our next issue about it or rather if you're getting this before the issue's out, the next next issue, so issue 110, will be out in May. Um, but we're going to have a fun little write-up with some photos of us running around looking a bit foolish, peering through some <laughs> some marijuana plants and stuff. It was great. What did we get? We, we got an antique horn and some yeah. pearls. And, an antique and a, horn. Yeah, and, <laughs> and a lock box, like a treasure box thing as well. Yeah. Um, and, could... and it was great. There's there some like funny little stories. Like at one point, like the guards entered the basement to do a patrol 
and there were no kidding four of us hiding behind one thin stone pillar. It was like some <laughs> like Wiley Coyote hiding behind a lamppost type gags. It was ridiculous, <laughs> and we didn't get caught in that. But I don't know how. Wow. Um, but that that was that was awesome. So we're going to have a, a lot more about that in you know two issues time, I guess, for you guys listening. Um, but yeah, real life heist. I've got a lot of time for that. I want to do some more. It was some good fun. Things. Yeah, hats off to the organisers. Actually, it was. Um, I've I've done a couple of things like that before. Like promo events for video games. You've done an alien one, right? I've done an aliens, colonial marines one, and it was you know. I, was I, it I don't as bad think as the game? Pretty much, yeah. I don't think my toes uncurled for the entire. <laughs> duration it was like you know when you you go to like a fairground you're like, oh let's do the haunted house ride oh, okay, yeah. and then you always forget that the haunted house ride is like a guy just shouting <laughs> at you and someone with a coat hanger just prodding you and like it was like that um and generally that's the sort of caliber that those kind of live action video game translations over, are man. um but this was a world away the production values were really good and all the actors that we came across i mean particularly the man who grilled me in the uh, interrogation room for did he insert things into you uh, no, he uh, <laughs> he did. He was like he took off his watch very menacingly, like took off a couple of rings, like he was going to beat me up. Um, so it was all you know very imagine committed. If he did, imagine if he just went full on, <laughs> just slapped me right in the face. Sorry, I'm method. I'm really method. <laughs> yeah, it was strange to meet them all afterwards as well, yeah. wasn't it? After like you know you'd spent half an hour with this guy getting more and more I angry, inc- incredibly awkward. It wasn't though. You but know. no, I, I could deal with the acting part, but then I wouldn't want to see the actor off, off his game afterwards. That just to reiterate, he didn't insert anything into me, so <laughs> it wasn't awkward at all. It was nice. So, so we've been playing that. That was a hell of a lot of fun. Um, made even more tense by the fact that we were clock watching because we were trying to get oh the last God, train yeah. back home. Yeah. <laughs> and if, if we took too long, we literally wouldn't have made it home from London. And we, we got the final train. We had like eight minutes to spare. But that was only because we got the right tube train. If we'd waited... Uh, like an extra 30 seconds and mm. missed that one we would have it all would have gone terribly wrong we'd have to start so even, our new lives even, in yeah. London <laughs> so e- even more than like cracking into that vault and actually getting all the stuff we were like oh we need to get out of here there was a lot um, of stake yeah so so we'll go into more details on that in a couple of months in the issue uh, personally I've been playing uh, not too much because I've been away for a week but I've been playing The Swapper on PS Vita, which I got mm. on, on PS Plus last month. That's a great little puzzle game. I, I, really I was always interested in it, but I, I never picked it up. I was playing other stuff at the time. And uh, I always had it in my mind to get at some point. And I'm having a lot of fun. I guess I'm only about halfway through right now. Yeah. But it's really smart. It's like 2D portal, basically. Yeah. Yeah, um, there's a lot of that. So yeah, thematically, it's uh, super interesting as well. I love kind of almost the visual style is almost like claymation yeah. in a way. Mm. It feels really tactile and... And some very, very clever puzzles, like ones that I'd have to sit back and applaud. Like, yeah, when you're in a room and you're stuck for about five minutes and then suddenly you just see it and you think, oh, damn, that's so clever. Yeah. Um, to be able to create those types of puzzles with such, you know, so few mechanics, like you've only got a couple of things that you can do in that game and yet still uh, the devs have managed to eke out surprisingly varied uh, conundrums to try and get past. So, so I'm really enjoying that. I'm looking forward to finishing that off before the next podcast. Uh, and I mean, Destiny. I had to miss um, Zer this weekend because I was over in America. You've, you guys have been talking. You've been talking a bit less about Destiny. Yeah, I'm, kinda, I'm off the. I'm no, I'm back on the wagon. Yeah, I've not, I've not touched yeah. it in about uh, four weeks. So, well, that's good. Good on you. Good on <laughs> oh, I was mostly because of Bloodborne. That was mainly why I um, off. And before, so I went off to Mania, 
And uh, before I went, I played a little bit of WWE 2K15 just to get into the mood. Uh, in fact, hmm, an idea has just come to me. We'll see if this works. This might go catastrophically wrong. Um, but we, with Games Radar Plus, we actually simulated some of the WrestleMania matches. We got them to uh, sim in the game three CPU matches. Um, the ladder match for the Intercontinental title the Undertaker-Bray Wyatt match and the main event with Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. Now, I won't spoil the results just in case anyone here um, wants to see Mania and hasn't yet had the chance. Like, come on, guys, it's at least five days by the time you're listening to this. Get to it. Uh, but the Intercontinental match, um, it, it predicted... And I'm just going to say what was predicted, not the actual results of Mania. It predicted that Daniel Bryan was going to win. Uh, they could only set up... It was a seven-man match in real life, but they could only do six because the game only lets you use six characters at once. So Stardust, who isn't in the game, is Cody Rhodes in the game, was ignored, so he wasn't eligible. But of the other six, um, it was Bry that won. Uh, in the Taker-Wyatt match, I think it predicted... Bray. Uh, it was really weird. I think um, one of them was going to do... I think. Taker was going to do a tombstone, then it was reversed by Bray, or, or maybe the other way around. There was someone reversed a tombstone and hit it, and that didn't win it. And then Bray did like a really nothing move and, and got the pin on Taker. It's like, yeah, I, I don't think that that's how it was going to go down in real life, like before Mania actually happened. And then the main event, uh, Rock, uh, sorry, no, it wasn't, Brock Reigns. Uh, Reigns won that one. Um, so that's how it's predicted. And I actually got to interview Wade Barrett, who was going into Mania as the Intercontinental Champion. So he was in that ladder match. Uh, I got to interview him before Mania and I told him about the results and he uh, he reacted on, on tape for us um, and he gave out the most amazing anguished wail. It was honestly like Chewbacca. Um, and so what I'm going to do, again, this might not work, but hopefully... I'm going to insert that audio in just a second so you can hear for yourself what Wade Barrett thinks to the prediction before Mania that he is going to lose the title at Mania and he is going to lose to Daniel Bryan. So we got the game to actually simulate that match. Oh, we could only have six. We couldn't do seven. Because uh, I can't remember who we left out. Oh, Stardust isn't in the game. So oh, Co okay. Cody wasn't picked. Um, and I'm afraid to say for you that... It, 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 it said Daniel Bryan was going. <laughs> so I want to know what your reaction is. To you that. know, Daniel Bryan is a is a great performer, but I will say a video game is just a video game. Okay, it's not real life. WWE is real life, and in real life, Bad News Barrett is going to win. And hopefully that worked. If it didn't, then I'll take full <laughs> blame, full responsibility. Um, but yeah, hopefully you're chuckling to yourself because you will also now know that Wade Barrett sounds like Chewbacca when he's upset. Um, or that yeah. vacuum off of YouTube. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah if, if it's keyboard cat playing, then I, I'm really sorry. But uh, hey, hey why, why not try something wacky? Um, so shall we uh, move on to the next thing? So we've done what we we're talking about. And, uh, sorry, we've done what we're playing now. Let's talk about some of the hot topics of the last couple of weeks in the world of PlayStation. Uh, I guess we have to start with Metal Gear, right? What the hell is going on? Yeah, very, very sad news, which uh, which really threw the de our last deadline in the somewhat chaos because we basically had a lead news all primed and ready to go, and we had to rewrite the whole thing about a, a, a day before I went to the printers. Whoa, 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 whoa! Where's this we? 
you had to. I wrote a weird news and then you yeah, had you, to rewrite. To be fair, you did write a great story. I was reading it thinking, this is really good. I just, we, we, we need to change it all because of what's happened. So there's also, there's been a very sizable kerfuffle between uh, the top brass at Konami and, you know, the, the kind of most important figures at Kojima Productions, including Hijo Kojima himself, uh, game director of Metal Gear Solid Five, The Phantom Pain, and you know, basically... Mr. Metal Gear. Um, originally, this kind of broke in late March, and it, it seems to be an ongoing power struggle. Uh, since that initial revelation, uh, Kojima Productions' logos and branding has been removed from several Metal Gear sites, although today some of that branding has now been reinstated. Yeah, that's on the weird sites. thing. So it's very taken confusing. off, and then was it a couple of days ago or yesterday? I only caught this when I landed. It was taken off the Silent Hills website, and yes. it was taken off uh, Zone of the Enders. Yeah, stuff as well. and it previously it was MGS5, Ground Zeroes, and the HD collection. Yeah, but now, as of today, it's been Some reinstated. Some of that branding's been in, the Metal reinstated Gear on Ground Zeroes and the Legacy collection and <laughs> MGS5 as well. But I think it's slightly less what was originally, right. but it's more than when it was all completely removed. And We've we also closed down the Konami Station webcast that Kojima does. Yep. Um, that's been... That hasn't operated for over a week now. And Kojima Productions LA has been renamed Konami, um, Los Angeles. Yes. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's all quite sad. Konami have come out and said they will be developing more Metal Gears in the future and they will be looking for new staff to helm those Metal Gears. But the the idea of a Kojima-less Metal Gear just in no way appeals to me. Yeah. Because he is Metal Gear. Like he, that kind of indulgent esoteric genius that's permeated every entry in the series. I'm thinking swapping pads or Psycho Mantis, having an hour-long boss fight in MGS3, then having a five-minute cl- ladder climb. All those like completely superfluous little full TV shows yeah. that... Um, went before Metal Gear Solid 4 is beginning. Like, that is just pure Kojima. Like, I just can't see anyone else, like... Well, pro, pro tip, if, if anyone out there is going to be applying for that new job for the new Metal Gear, <laughs> just stick a 10-minute ladder climb in your, in your yeah, game and uh, you'll be fine. Two-hour boss fight. Ten out of ten, done. But, I mean, there's two ways to look at it. Like, it's sad news for Metal Gear, as it would seem on the surface. And Silent um, Hills. I mean, don't forget Silent that. Silent Hills is worrying, If yeah. it is indeed true. And we don't want to speculate too much. We, <laughs> we've only got, like, so much evidence. We haven't had, like, confirmation from Konami that he isn't working on Silent Hills anymore for instance that has yet to come that's the assumption and it seems like a a, a safe assumption I want to say but it's still just an assumption right now but if there isn't the the Kojima Silent Hills I think that's hugely upsetting because it was looking amazing with his work and Maybe it will be less amazing with his input. Maybe not. Because PT yeah. felt very much like a Kojima production, oh, totally. as it were. Totally. But th- this is the interesting thing about franchise building is that you know we, we like Metal Gear because of M- Kojima's input. Kojima still exists as a man. He still has the capacity to make video games. Mm-hmm. And the qualities in the Metal Gear games um, that proved so durable over the years, you know, he's presumably still capable of... of creating content on that level mm. this time on his own terms completely sure you mean well, you, so, you mean Boktai like a game that was literally yeah. powered by the sun so he, he does have like yeah. I think he's got a lot of very very interesting ideas provided he wants to industry. stay in the game space he might be fed up with games could do movies like, he, he's really been, bad movies yeah he's been rubbing <laughs> shoulders he's been rubbing shoulders with Hollywood for the last yeah, couple absolutely. of years do you yeah, remember Nicholas Windegreff yeah like last year 
it was just all those like cringeworthy quotes yeah. from Hollywood directors. I think that was all because Avi Arad basically was involved in getting Kiefer Sutherland in for MGS5, right. so he's obviously got a heavyweight Hollywood producer, so that yeah, that was a bit sickly. But you know, like he he could make very very bad Hallmark made for TV movies. Well, he could make good films. It might be amazing. That. You never know. Um, so so yeah, that's that's an interesting one, and we'll we'll continue to follow this story. Uh, as it develops. But regardless, yeah. MGS5 is safe. I mean, yeah. that, that's, that's almost... And that's coming out now, first, first of September, September as well. So I think that was in such a late stage you know, that, that, thankfully, isn't in, under any danger. So that is, that's good news, at least. So another piece of news, and it is definitely better news this month, is that Star Wars Battlefront is going to be showcased very soon. In fact, if you uh, go online to gamesradar.com on the 17th of... What are we? April? April. April. 17th <laughs> of April. Um there should be lots of stuff on there so it's the big star wars convention uh, at anaheim. that time yeah in anaheim and it's it's you know mostly to do with the movies and like all the other stuff linked to that um but ea will be there with battlefront for the first public showing of it and we'll be having lots of stuff there and we'll be having even more in our issue that's out in may because we're going to be there in anaheim to see it and we're very, very excited yeah, by what we're here. I am excited about Battlefront. I think it'll be excellent, hopefully. Absolutely. Well, I mean, the, the calibre of uh, of the series, uh, coupled with DICE, um, yeah, it's fantastic. It's important to... You, you sort of forget about the Amy Hennig visceral Star Wars game that's also God, yeah, you're right. in yeah, development, yeah. Um, which is that. equally exciting, um, but a completely different prospect. I wonder if... Uh, and, and I've heard and seen nothing to suggest this but I wonder if there'll be any sort of update on that game at, at that event as well because they've essentially buried was it 1717 was that 13, 13. 13, 13 yeah 13. I 12, just had the, had the 17th <laughs> in my head April 17th that's almost as bad as the order 1866 yeah I once I once put I think I said that in the first podcast that I put that number in my flat yeah I did oh well yeah. we, just, we, re, we reuse the same jokes around here it's fine classic podcast <laughs> we're all weak folks um yeah, thirteen thirteen was a real shame. Actually, I went to see that, um, and it it was. You went to Lucas to, Ranch, <coughs> didn't you? To Not to Lucas Ranch, but to Lucasfilm um, and Industrial Light and Magic's headquarters, who've done CG for just about all the important mm. CG movies throughout the eighties, nineties, and and noughties. And um, yeah, it was before the next gen, current, what is now current gen consoles, had come out, and it was. I remember just really feeling like it was the first snapshot that mm. I'd gained into what next gen was going to look like at that point and, and you know it was a really sort of um, really transformative it kinda, experience it felt like Star Wars had kind of taken almost uncharted didn't it I mean that's how it was yeah. being peddled I, I remember seeing it in a behind closed door session at E3 like before then it was the mm. first time it was talked about and it was before the consoles were announced yeah um, so this would have been 2012 right because yeah, PS, PS4 late, was announced late 2013 so it would have been uh, June 2012, and I'd heard whispers from a couple of the other guys I went out over to E3 with from from elsewhere in Future Publishing, and they were like, "Man, you need to see Star Wars. Like that's that's some, that's next gen. That's really impressive." Mm. So I went off to see it, and yeah, it was basically it was very uncharted like, um, but it looked gorgeous. Like clearly not on PS3. I remember having a little interview with one of the guys after, yeah. but just like. I hadn't cleared it. I just like said, I want to speak with you. Like, can I speak with you? So we went into a into a room, had a little interview, and the PR just stumbled. It's like, what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's okay. It's, We're just having a little kiss. It's fine. <laughs> it's all good. Um, 
and yeah, and when that eventually did die, I was really sad because you know yeah. at the time, you know, don't forget this was and there were no good licensed games, or it was only Batman at the time, mm-hmm. I guess. And like Star Wars hadn't had the best of times. You have to really go back to Battlefront or like the Rogue Legacy on on GameCube really to to get the great ones. Yeah, or Kotor and yeah. Kotor on on the original Xbox as yeah. well. Uh, so, so yeah, the new Battlefront's looking very exciting. Like there are rumours that it's going to take stuff from all the films, which could mm. be great because, uh, like straight away, you start thinking of all the different things that you want to see, um, and before you know it, you spent a few hours just daydreaming about certain <laughs> certain scenes from the films you want. You PS4 want is just so much more suited for that type of yeah, online the, game, the like, online just because it's stuff. so much easier to join parties and really play with friends at yeah. all the times. It just seems like a perfect storm of all the right components coming together. So, uh, so yeah, and and finally, what else has been going on? I guess we've got new firmware for PS4. So finally, a feature that was promised in Feb 2013. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now that we are yeah. in in well, we're in April, but I guess March it went live. March 2015, we've got suspend resume. Yeah, so you can whilst in game, you can suspend, which uh, powers your PS4 down into rest mode, and you can resume again, which. It, you know, basically, instead of having to turn your console off and then load the game up again, and you know, load the save, then you can just with a, a you know a hold of the home button, um, you can resume exactly where you were in the game and a couple of other. Don't forget the drop shadows. There's the, yeah, oh, there the are now shadows. black or white drop shadow yeah. options on the text on the main screen. M- any- Milf's not here because he's so excited about the drop shadows. He's off <laughs> playing with that on his PS4. Are there any more uh, themes or colours for? Uh, I have not noticed any more themes. There might be a couple of additional colours. They've also streamlined the party. How you create a party? Although the couple of times I've tested it, it was exactly as many button presses. And they have slightly changed the power menu. It now takes yeah. more button presses to switch your console. Oh man! Power options now instead yeah, of just power options are just off. Yeah. So that's that's progress. <laughs> and in line with that firmware update, it's not part of the firmware update, but Spotify has also gone live. Yes. And so the firmware update's UI um, has accommodated Spotify. So the basically how it works is you start Spotify going and then you exit. Well, you don't exit the app. You minimize the app and it's still playing. Mm-hmm. And so if you press the home, if you hold down the home button, uh, there's now a Spotify um, option okay. there that shows you the volume level and you can skip tracks on your playlist you can pause and play and things can like that. you play it in the background while you're playing games yes oh that's good um, I think you could already do that with Music Unlimited couldn't you I never used Music Unlimited I think no one did yeah <laughs> I, I used it once and yeah, it was it was quite a it was a painful process trying to create a playlist on it I remember for the three people that do currently subscribe to Music Unlimited <laughs> you will get I think a month free of Spotify Premium, so that's the ad-free um, Spotify service. The the it's a bit of a downer the um, the Spotify app on PS4 because you can't create a playlist. Oh really? So you have to enlist another device to create your playlist. So you have to create it on like PC or something. Yeah, or, or on your smartphone. You can you can actually um, log in via your smartphone. Okay. And then there's a it's like Spotify also recently just updated itself. There's a new like connect icon. You hit the connect mm-hmm. icon, sync with your PS4, and then you can basically control everything oh, there without having to go into the app. Um, but yeah, you can't just use the the PS4 to create. Um, Surely that's got to come. You think? It seems yeah. a bit half baked, if not. 
yeah, I, you know, you can browse music and you can play those songs. It's just missing that plus mm. um, button. And on that topic, a couple of podcasts ago. I was going to we say, first, I was going to bring that up. Yeah, yeah, when we were first talking about Spotify, we mentioned how fun it would be to for us to make custom soundtracks yeah. that everybody can enjoy. So like for the crew, for example, like a really good road trip game where you can listen to like uh, Freebird. I guess that'd be a good driving song. Um <laughs> gonna pop some facts uh sticks i'm thinking just lots of classic rock i think that'd be the good one um yeah well we had a less than um fevered response to that <laughs> was it a response of zero <laughs> as far as i'm aware i mean i haven't gone through with it with the tooth comb but i i am still as far as i'm aware without any requests so i'm like is the office still DJ. open? Will you still create the office totally playlists still open? And like for, for our listeners, for any game as well. I just for I'm any game. I'm really into this for, idea. For any game, he said. For any game. So if you're like playing Danganronpa two, actually that's a Vita game, so it'd be tricky. Um, what what game did we just give two out of ten to? Uh, well, there's one. There's, there's a particular. It's not something that breaks an embargo, is it? The the one I'm thinking of, I think, is breaking an embargo. Is this one I did yesterday? Yeah. No, that's out. That is out, but it's not in, not on sale. Uh, it was, I, it's in May's issue. So. Oh no, okay. I'm not thinking of that one. And it, so yeah, even the worst games feel. If, you, if yeah. you want, if you want a ride to Hell Retribution soundtrack, I'll make it for you. <laughs> oh, Just don't want to close my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah, oh, hop on dear. Facebook or hop on um, Twitter at OPM UK. Yeah, put in your requests. But please, can you request for the crappiest games? I, I really want to see these lists. And I, you know, because I'll probably do, I'll probably put Get 10 songs song together at least. I think that would make a lot of songs much better. What about Crazy Frog? I think, yeah, Crazy Frog. That'd be really good for Ride to Hell. Crazy Frog. So the offer still stands, public. Um, so come at me. <laughs> oh, so as we normally do, frog. we're just going to talk very briefly. Well, not not just briefly. We'll go into a bit more depth actually about the issue that is on sale now. Kicking off with the return of the pun competition, oh, we've had no. two responses, and, and, and this time <laughs> both from us. The, the last podcast, the two responses weren't like they were they were bonkers. They One were of them nonsense. was the word steam. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so this time. Uh, we have had a vote for an awful pun that I wrote, which is in Ed's intro, and it was it was Dom. It was uh, it took Dom just two days to platinum the order. Uh, I began on Monday morning, and I got it on Weddy at dawn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, I got a vote. That, that, <laughs> that shares joint place with something that I really don't agree with. Oh. But, but it's it's a vote nonetheless. Here we um, go. Oh. Uh, Meeks, did you write Batman? Uh, yes. Did you write Life in the Fast Wayne? Yes, I did, yeah. <laughs> so, some crazy person named Colin Williams uh, has... I made Dickelham. ...is voted for Life in the Fast Wayne. I think like Night on the Tiles is arguably better on the same page. Um, Night on the Tiles was good, yeah. But yeah the important thing is I win. the Fast Wayne. <laughs> So, so that's it. So I'm, I can't really say I'm loving this pun, pun competition. So all the responses, <laughs> I, I'm not quite bowled over by it yet. But um, we'll keep. If you keep voting, we'll keep reading them out. I will. <laughs> it doesn't take as long. Looking, looking forward to our 
new issue that's not out on sale quite yet. It has one of the most remarkable puns I've ever seen in the history of the magnet. Really? Attached to a Street Fighter Five preview. Uh, um, yeah. It's one of the. It's it's it, it defies description. Like it's it's, it's worth the price of the magnet on its own. Was it was it as good as my Resident Evil Two uh, Dead Mobs and Doom Licks? It's it's a, it's, it's, even, it's even more tenuous. It's like it's it's one of the most tenuous pieces of punning I've ever seen in my life. It's, it's incredible. Oh, it took two of us to do as well. Yeah, really? it's well, got it's got both myself and Phil's mucky fingerprints all over it. Uh, so that's <laughs> that's the rather lame. Uh, damp pun competition uh, but with the issue that's on sale now uh, is our issue 108 the April 2015 issue uh, with Final Fantasy 15 on the cover um, it's got 40 pages of Final Fantasy in it it's got a 20 page art book and it has a 20 page hands on feature of 15 in which we also have uh, the history of Final Fantasy the mainline entries we, we would just it was impossible to do every single Final Fantasy there has ever been because that would have broken us. Uh, but we've got the, the, the mainline history of Final Fantasy. We've got a, a really cool interview with Tabatasan, who is the director of Final Fantasy XV. Uh, we've got some stuff on Type Zero in there, and we have some really, really cool fan Final Fantasy content. So we've got some cosplays, some uh, PlayStation mods, some tattoos, some uh, weapons, some candles, some artwork etc 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 really cool if you are even remotely interested in Final Fantasy uh, definitely do pick it up it's on sale for another week so there's still time um, it's funny actually because I did this I did the hands on with Fantasy, uh, Final Fantasy 15 demo uh, a couple of months ago now and I got the actual demo when it came out and it's, it's interesting to see the little things that have changed since I played it the final thing mm. for instance in the intro text uh, there is one word that was changed um, I, I can't remember what it was changed to, so this is perhaps the best story. <laughs> but it says, like, uh, when you spent your entire life looking out at the cluttered city skyline, the word cluttered has been changed to something else. And it's weird because I, I, I took a picture of the screen and it was, like, written from the picture of the, you know, the in-progress demo. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's fascinating. Just That was, like, two weeks left to go before it was ready and made live. And... Um, or th- no, it's probably about three weeks when I played it actually, and even in that last stage, they're they're changing like a little word here and there to make it ready for the public. I found that really fascinating. And like when you see the black chocobos for the first time, like when I saw them in the demo um, before it was released, it was different to when you see it in the final demo. And little touches like that, it's very cool. Um, thankfully, nothing major was changed, so it's not like yeah. it's wrong. <laughs> you know, I, I think one word we can all accept and, and move on. Move on from. Um, what else have we got in this issue? We've got Rock Band 4, uh, which I had an interview with Harmonics. Phil, I know that you're big into your music games as well. Were you a big Rock Band fan? I was always more of a Guitar Hero person. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, Rock Band obviously had the edge in, in the diversity of his instruments and, and in the drums. So it's, it's interesting that they're coming back now. Um, and all power to them. Yeah, um, um, Rock Band is... Uh, He's a favourite of mine, I'll be honest. It's uh, really good to see that back. And uh, a move that will please a lot of people, uh, your old kit is almost almost certainly going to be compatible. Uh, they, they basically were, were talking in the interview that it's, it's going to be compatible. They're saying we're doing everything in our power to make it. So um, that's if you were playing on PS3. If you did make the leap across uh, the divide when you changed generations from Xbox to PS4... Um, 
probably not. I, I did put the question to Harmonix, mm. and they were they, they said like they want to do everything to be able to bring over your old library and songs and your instrument instruments regardless. But there are certain things that they're powerless to influence. So it really depends on Microsoft and Sony playing nice in terms of whether they will let you transform, con you know, your kit from one uh, to the other. Um, I think it, like I say, I think it's unlikely, but we can we can still we can hope. hope. Yeah. I, I've got a room full of instruments. I'm begging that'll happen for because if not, like I'll need your new kit. Um, uh, what else? Have we, I did write it out, but I've got like plans all over the place, and the printer wouldn't print it out. So that's brilliant. <laughs> Um, there's no point talking about the order review anymore. I mean, I we, guess that's we, we, well covered ground, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, we, yeah, we, we did that quite well, a lot last time. Yeah, we did last um, <laughs> But we do have the uh, some Bloodborne tips in the issue that's out on sale now. Some official tips from the official guide that has actually been delayed. It's still not out. It's not out for another couple of weeks, if I if I got really. my dates right. Um, but Meeks, like, you have been playing Bloodborne. Did these tips help you out? Yes, they did, yeah. The, um, what a liar. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, certainly the um, the tips are tips about using shortcuts and then quite a useful map, which certainly for the start of the game, which is bracing to say the least. Um, yeah, that that should certainly help you out with the first boss, the cleric. Because it's, it's worth saying, like if you if you aren't a big Dark Souls fan, if you're going into Bloodborne cold, as it were, mm. which quite a lot of people probably are. Yeah, I mean, if you've only like, just picked up a PS4, yeah, it's not necessarily, you might not necessarily have played Dark Souls or Dark Souls I, 2 in PS3. Know, I, so. I, I certainly don't want to use the word impenetrable because it absolutely isn't, but it it's it's flummoxing. And yes, like the, absolutely. It, it's a game that doesn't explain its systems no, to and, any great degree. And we were talking just now with a guy called James Jarvis, who you might know from... from past issues quite a way back actually a former games radar uh, writer who's now like on our video team here here at future publishing and and he was just saying like it's so confusing like he, he wanted a tutorial just because he he's really struggling to get into it having not had that dark souls experience and we're, we're quite privileged in that we work in an office where we all play games and a lot of us play dark souls or play demon souls and when we play in bloodborne we have each other to bounce off our ideas off of um, and and share thoughts and and just every day we've got that touch point. Like, the last, I'm really the last that bit. two from games are reviewed. I don't really struggle to get through without the help of like fellow colleagues who are also reviewing it for other exactly. publications so, at the same time. So we have that, but a lot of people out there won't. Like they won't mm. have had any of that assistance. They might not want to find the forum when they need to log on and then dig mm. through probably two thousand page uh, threads now because people are on the end game stuff where they just need to know about the start of the game. So it is, it is remarkably tough. So, yeah, if, if you are going into it cold and if you're having a, a tough time of it, pick up the new issue and uh, we'll hopefully ease you in a little bit more. I remember when I first picked up um, Dark Souls 2 and it was, it was a, a few weeks after release, so there were just messages left all over the floor in the opening area and maybe 80% of them were praise the sun. And I was like, <laughs> right, I don't, I don't understand, fine. And the other twenty percent were like boss ahead, and that was it. <laughs> and I and I, you know, I didn't really understand Death what these ahead. messages were, were there for. I, I, you know, even just walking along a, a path with yeah. nothing in it and some misty corridors off to the sides, I was like, why? Why do these messages exist? What's praise the sun? Why is everyone saying there's a boss ahead? There isn't a boss ahead. Even the messages were confusing. Um, and <clears throat> yeah, I've I've. I've I had a stab with Souls, um, 
you know, I sampled it and I think it either clicks with you or, or yeah. it just never will. And I'm sort of happy to let it exist in its own area of the world completely, I mean, completely I, separate from mine. I imported Demon's Souls before it came out in the UK. Yeah. Um, like when it first came out in America. And I, I found the messaging there to be this really transformative experience because I hadn't had anything like it before. And just in, again, like the opening area, like I was walking over a walkway and it, I can't remember what the exact word in the messaging was because it was really basic at the time. They certainly did a lot more with it in Dark Souls. But in Demons, it was something like something on the right, like look right or whatever it was. Mm. And sure enough, a couple of paces forward, like I was ambushed from behind like these wooden spikes on the right. I was like, this is frigging brilliant. <laughs> and it, it's great that that system's continued. I, I really like that. I mean, it's awkward in your situation, yeah. If you, if you walk into, like, uh, South Bank area full of graffiti and it all just says, <laughs> yeah. praise the sun. Yeah. I, can like, see, I can see why that perhaps isn't that helpful. But, like, in the right areas with the w- right messages, you can either be like really helped or really dicked over like some people and i quite like that like yeah, there, there is that uncertainty there, yeah. like a message might just be there to mess you up and i've got time for that i really do i can uh, I, it's a game where you need to be prepared to hold up your hands a lot and say okay you, you best of me this time i'll see if i can get around this next time um and it's a lot of fun there's a lot of fun in that system um obviously bloodborne has voice chat as well now for Chalice stuff, is that right? Yeah, well, I mean, there's voice chat in the sense that if you just party, okay. party up. So. so, okay, via party chat then. Um, do you use it? Do you think it, it wrecks that feeling? Do you think it's necessary? There's definitely, there's not that prevailing sense of isolation pushing forward on your own quite as much. Certainly during the review, I, I partnered with a couple other people quite a lot. And it is a transformative experience when you're all just... Okay, I mean, it makes it much easier to join together with certain players now because there are now more network settings where you can actually lock off with a password and if you're both in the same place and you use the same password, you can actually join specific players. So it's actually easier to co op with okay. a friend than ever before. And of course, if you're also using voice chat with that, it, it, it transforms it remarkably. Um, I wouldn't say it's a bad thing. I mean, I think it just, again, taps into that more, much more social philosophy of PS4. Um, but yeah, it makes it a decidedly different experience. I, I, I was doing like three or four bosses with other people all the time. We're talking and laughing and it's uh, it's very different than, you know, just basically in a corner crying to yourself when you've been beaten by the same boss for 17 times. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it's different. It's certainly different. Uh, and just last thing we'll touch uh, on in the issue that's out on sale now is the Batman Arkham Knight preview. Uh, you may have heard this mentioned earlier for the award that Dave got for one of the <laughs> The prestigious award. Uh, so, Dave, you wrote this one. Um, since we wrote this, Batman has been delayed. Yes. It's out on the 23rd of June, June yeah. now. So it's only, it's only been pushed back three weeks because it was originally going to be June 2nd. So. And there is also a very lovely Batman PlayStation 4 there in the There is, works. yeah. It's uh, silver and it's got a little Batman on it, as you'd expect from a Batman <laughs> PS4. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You say Batman's on yeah, it? Yeah, Batman, yeah. <laughs> Who would have thought? Batman! <laughs> Batman's a scientist. It's not Batman. Uh, how much are you looking forward to Arkham Knight, Dave? I am. Yeah, I was watching uh, the recent. <laughs> yeah, right. I was watching I, the I recent am. trailer, the um, the Officer Down trailer, um, and it, like the real the real sense you get of it with it, it's just very very seamless. So yeah. jumping from combat to a Batmobile section to gliding around the city, 
I think you know it was something that was Rockstar were very good in Arkham City, and it's just been taken a, another level. It's just it seems like a very smooth experience. Um, I, I do still have slight concerns about how the Batmobile will handle. Yeah. Um, but aside from that, I think it'll be a, a terrific. Yeah, I, I mean, I love everything Rocksteady has touched, really, um, going back to Urban Chaos, even. And I'll say what I've said all along since I played Batman at E3 last year. Like, it's brilliant. It, it feels the same, which is kind of what you want, because it was so good in the first place. I'm still not, not, I'm not 100% sold on the Batmobile as as big a part of the game as it is. Uh, and not even the, like the driving's fine. It's just and the movement, just the combat, it left me a little cold. Like in particular, dodging incoming missiles, like strafe left or strafe right, and then like returning fire. And it's not that I've got any problem with the the like the the story of it. Like as a as a gadget, it works. And like the wheels pop out and go full three sixty degrees. So like, yeah, of course it can strafe. Like I'm not objecting to that. I'm just questioning how much fun it is to do that over and over. And I just really hope in the final game, because obviously we've played certain bits, uh, in the final game it it doesn't take over. The yeah. the, the combat stuff is just mm. set to, to a few areas, but you're not going to be like driving through the city. It's like, oh, when I go I, through this area of the city, I always have to do some combat, because that will leave me like quite upset. I, think. I do worry about, I mean, I've not played it like you, but I do worry about the handling to a degree, because I'm always very sceptical about how open world games will handle their handling. I, I, ha- I, I didn't have any problems with the handling, That's to be good. honest, um, when, I, when I played it. But, but yeah, I mean, uh, since then, it's almost had another year's worth of dev. So it could be that the combat is now brilliant as well and just as good as the free-flow combat. I just don't see that happening. The free-flow uh, free combat was so impressive in Batman and has continued to be impressive that like most action games struggle to do what that does. Uh, so yeah, just just system. with like you know people, so trying to map that to a car, I just yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll see. Yeah, I, I think one. it's a fixable problem though, and I, I got that same impression when I was in the Batmobile. Strafing feels really weird. You feel more like you're a test block on a test grid in Unity, yeah, than yeah, than the Batmobile. But that's all. It's all just to do with movement inertia and the animation of the Batmobile itself, and because it's such a low to the ground vehicle. Um, so think of like Tanner's car in, in the driver games, for example, like they're really, the suspension's really high. So you really get the, the idea of your weight being slung around when you turn a corner, yep. because the Batmobile is like a Formula One car. The animation doesn't really lend that effect. So you do just feel that like an invisible hand is picking it up mm. and dropping it to the side either way. Um, but I think Rocksteady are so mechanically impeccable yeah. in everything that they do. That this I'll, tell, is you, just I'll tell you what thing. did feel good in the car. There was a bit where I had to raise a lift up. The lift was broken and I had to uh, jump to the car with my remote control. That's right, yeah, I played this bit. Was it, um, you fire like a, a grappling hook from the Batmobile and then you have to reverse with the yeah. Batmobile to drag you and the lift up. And that felt great. Like you, you're tethered to this lift and you you put on like full reverse and the tires are squealing and there's smoke coming off the uh, off the tires and you're like shifting left and right as, as you do when like you you fixed at an anchor point but that's right the yeah. car needs to go somewhere and like battling against that like pushing left or right to to move against where the car is is trying to escape to and, and pulling up this lift that felt really good so yeah. the batman foot Batmobile in isolated areas does feel like in racing again. I, I found that fine. It was purely like the the combat strafing and stuff. That's that's where the question mark comes in and using the missiles. But yeah, we're we're looking to go hands on again in the near future. Hopefully, uh, you know it's out in June, so we expect that to be pretty soon. Yeah. And we will definitely report back on our latest Batmobile impressions. 
um, when we do. Uh, right, so we'll let you know just a little a few things about our next issue, uh, issue 109. That comes out, uh, when does it come out, guys? What are we, April? 10th of April. Yes. April, yeah. So it comes out. <laughs> we're recording this on Thursday the 2nd. Sorry, I'm so, like, I don't even know what day it is because uh, <laughs> I've been away so long and I forget what day I landed and stuff. And I put back my flight and that threw off my calendar even more. Um, so this comes out on Friday the 10th of April. Uh, the cover is Project Morpheus. Um, mm. So we have been, I want to say hands-on. I feel like it should be heads-on. Eyes-on. Eyes-on Eyes on isn't right either, is it? I don't know. We've been summit on Morpheus. <laughs> we, we played Morpheus. We've done stuff with um, it. Obviously, it's a, it's an updated version of Morpheus. We've played with it before. Phil, you actually played it last year. Loved it. Um, yeah. We love it even more now that it's better. <laughs> so Morpheus has improved. Uh, it's very, very cool. Uh, we play some new virtual reality games. Uh, we play a London Heist, which is a first-person shooter experience with Morpheus, uh, with some really cool anecdotes about what you can do in that game and how it feels to play that uh, with, with your VR headset on. We play a game called Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes, which is a personal favourite of mine. In fact, I'm pretty sure I name-checked it in, in one of the last two podcasts, where you have to uh, defuse a bomb. Uh, well, the player with Morpheus on has to defuse a bomb but doesn't know how, and there are people without Morpheus but who have printed instructions on bomb defusal in front <laughs> of them but don't know what the bomb looks like. And so you have to keep talking between each other. The guy seeing Morpheus, uh, seeing the bomb through Morpheus has to explain what he's seeing, like how many wires, what time, what serial number, how many batteries, all weird gizmos and gadgets on the bomb. And the people with the manual have to figure out which bomb he's talking about and how you go through the, the steps to defuse it and relay it back. And it's, it's a crazy, crazy party game, but a lot of fun. Um, and we've got a very, very cool write-up and interview uh, with the guys who make, who make that game uh, that definitely, definitely you should check out. It's, it's so interesting that somebody's managed already before VR is out there in the consumer sphere to address that problem that you're sort of isolating yourself from the world by putting on that headset. Like immediately somebody's found a way totally. to turn it into a party game. I mean, I mean like they, had, Hero, they had a bit of a head start in that they were working <coughs> on Oculus. I've, I've just got the interview open here. and he's, like, It was about a year and a bit ago. They were at the Global Game Jam uh, with the Oculus DK1s and they were one of the few people to, to actually have that Oculus kit at the time. Yeah. And he's saying like every time they go to a show, uh, there'd be a scenario where one person sitting in VR and everyone else is just sitting there waiting for him to finish. Just like, I'll yeah. wait for my turn. That's the problem. And, and it's just identifying that as a problem and thinking, oh, I wonder if there's a way of, of bringing them together. Um, so, so smart. Uh, and a real nice uh, demo of asymmetric gameplay yeah and i've got big time for asymmetrical gameplay like sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't evolve it, it kind of did but not quite as much as we wanted there's a game called spy party which someone called chris hecker is making it's been in production for quite a long time it's still not i don't know if it's going to come to playstation to be honest um but i've got that on pc and and there's one person who is uh well there are two people who are spies but one's uh, a spy at a party with a certain amount of tasks they have to do, maybe planting a bug or lifting something off someone or chatting to a certain person. And the other player is a sniper outside looking into the party hmm. with a sniper rifle and they have to identify who oh. the spy is and shoot them. Yeah, um, I know that one, yeah. And, and like there, are, there are a handful of character models, so like 
you as a character are repeated like a few times over. So there are multiple versions of, of you in there. Um, mm. And it's just this, this great experience of if you're the spy, you have to do lots of things that you don't need to do and kind of have to almost act like AI to get away with doing the stuff that you do need to do. And when something, I think it's when a task is completed, it flashes up for both players as well. And when you're in the party, you can see like the red dot on you or moving around. So it's like, wow. oh no, am I getting busted? Tension. So it's, it's really cool. Um, and, and that sort of stuff I've got a lot of time for because it, it's genuine examples of, of just different ways of thinking and different experiences with games. And Morpheus really gives us that opportunity on PlayStation. There's a lot of potential there. And with so many people now developing for Oculus Rift on PC, it's really exciting to see the numbers of those games coming over to PlayStation and just thinking about what we're going to have in the future when Oculus, sorry, when Morpheus launches in 2016. Mm. Um, so we've got that in the issue, really cool. Also as part of that future, so it's, it's actually a wider feature called The Future Is Now in which we look at some, some stuff other than Morpheus, one of which is a modular controller, which I played uh, in the office a few weeks ago. Um, that is, it's not an official Sony controller. Uh, it was something that was done via Kickstarter, but it is compatible with PS3 and PS4. And uh, it, it, there's like a left-hand, right-hand setup. You can put them together, snap them apart. I I played, um, I think it was Crisis 3 I played, uh, but I had a left-hand controller that was very similar to the left hand of a, the left part of a DualShock 4, a little bit different. Mm. Um, and on the right hand, I was using a mouse. So, you know, keyboard and mice is the, the favourite input method for PC gamers. There is a way of using keyboard and mice for for consoles with a certain piece of kit. Um, but this way you can, like, have half and half if you want. So you don't have to go full keyboard and mouse because when you're playing on a couch, it's not necessarily that ideal. Yeah. But you can sit there with modular control in the left hand, mouse in the right. And it feels really cool playing a, a first-person game that way or... You can have like controller in the left, joystick on the right if you want. And it's really interesting to see all these different ways of of inputs that you can now have or, or will be able to have in the future, I should say, to be technically correct, um, for PS4. It's really I've, exciting. I've long wanted the uh, mouse and keyboard option on consoles. I've always been a mouse and keyboard guy in, in shooters, so I feel, yeah. I, feel I mean, like yes. There ascend is the leaderboards. There is an adapter. It's called the Zim adapter. It's XIM4. Mm. Uh, the Zim4. And yeah, you can use that and have mouse and keyboard for, for PS4. And you can be that guy in Destiny who gets all the headshots. Yeah. Maybe I'll <laughs> invest. I saw another Kickstarter <laughs> recently that, that aimed to address the awkwardness of the mouse and keyboard control scheme, the fact that you need a desk. And yep. basically, it was a Kickstarter for a TV tray. Basically, oh, that, yeah. you just put it on ridiculous. your lap, yeah. and yeah, that's a Kickstarter. So, go crowdfund that if you're interested. Uh, so, also in the issue that's out on um, on 10th of April, we have a six-page feature on The Witcher Three, or to be more accurate, The Witcher One and Two. Mm. So, obviously, there's The Witcher Three: Wild Hunt is coming out end of May on PlayStation Four. It's looking very, very, very good. So, so you've played it, you yeah. loved it, right? I did. The trouble is, it's the end of a trilogy, but for us as PlayStation players, it's the start of one. Well, it's not the start of one, because it's the only one. It's the beginning and end. It's the yeah. Alpha and Omega of Witcher. So so we, we knew this was a problem, so we thought the best way to address it was to give you a catch-up feature on the story of The Witcher 1 and 2, so that you can read this and be ready for end of May 
dive into The Witcher 3 and you already know the backstory, you don't have to worry about picking up a PC and playing one and two. Uh, if you've got the time to do that, we recommend you do, actually. They're, they're really good, especially two. Mm. Um, yeah, but for those yeah. of you who don't have the time or the means to do that, then we're going to fill you in with the story uh, as best we can. There are loads of different options in two. It's branching. It gets very complicated, but we we wrap up all the options. You might need to read it through a couple of times before you play The Witcher 3, just so you've got it in your head because that much is going on. It's trying to condense Lord of the Rings into uh, into a 300-word a, a piece. Um Although this is a few thousand words, so it'll take you, yeah. take you a bit longer than that. The interesting thing about Witcher games is how much they change over time, actually. So I'll, it'll be fascinating to see what The Witcher 3 is like on PS4 in, say, two years' time. Because The Witcher 2 is a... Actually, maybe The Witcher 1 is a better example. It's, it's almost a different mm-hmm. game. Um, it launched with just a litany of bugs yeah. and sloppy technical issues. And today it, it looks really different. All yeah. the bugs are sorted. There's a ton more content. The Witcher 2 as well. There are like a completely different. Um, there's a completely different sort of tutorial area. Okay. Um, it looks better on PC than it did before. It's easier to do that with PC hardware to sort of um, to forecast what um, you know what the advances in graphics hardware are going to be. Yeah. And to allow the game engine to sort of expand into that space as time goes on. It will be fascinating to see if CD Projekt can do that for PS4 hardware as well. Yeah. And for it to look... I mean, obviously, they have delayed it a couple of times now, so the intention there being there'll be less to rectify once it's launched. Yeah, I mean, oh, I'm last, not... Last year, there were famously many, many instances of games being released and there being launch day problems, and it's it's an issue that has seen already seen some big-name delays this year to make sure that doesn't happen. So Uncharted has been delayed till 2016, of yeah. course. Uh, and with The Witcher, the hope being that by giving it the extra few months in development that CD Projekt don't fall into the same pitfalls that they did with 1 and 2 and that they get it right first time. Yeah, I, I don't have any particular doubts in that regard either. I mean, the game was running quite stable when I played it back in February, January. There were some frame rate issues, but, um, you know, we're not talking about, like, clipping or crashes or falling yep. through the world or anything like that. And, and in The Witcher 1's case, that was very much de rigueur. So, um, yeah, I think it'll be a much more stable proposition when it releases. You look like you are going to say something, Mix. No. Oh, well, we do no. have a... I was just going to say a quick one, Uncharted. We do have a, a new story on the Uncharted. We have. The way. Yeah. And Which is another one that had to get rewritten, right? Yeah, because it was, <laughs> so originally, it was originally about Uncharted's new flashlight tech being influenced by the darker sections in The Last of Us. Um and that had to get changed when they delayed it selfishly until 2016. So this is, is the issue that was written twice for you. Uh, <laughs> Essentially, so, yes. So, yeah, so also in the issue out 10th of April, we've got a, uh, a really cool interview I did with David Jaffa on uh, Drawn to Death. Uh, I, I think the title should win the next pun of the month. So just have a, have a look at that. Mm. And uh, if, you, if you want to vote for that... Mm. Some lobbying free. going it's on. A, it's a, oh no, I never did it. I've, I've got, got a four. I'm just going to say I've got a, a pretty strong strap and previews <laughs> on this upcoming issue. I um, I realised I was going to put a parental advisory sticker. You know, the likes you get on CDs on this, and mm. I never did. Uh, it gets very, very swear at the end. Anyone From who's, David Jaffa, who's no, familiar with David Jaffa should know he likes to break out the f bombs, uh, and it's mostly there are a few stars we've inserted to, to soften up the words a bit, but there's quite a lot of swearing in there. So I think it is like the most explosive interview we have ever printed. And he does call out 
a, a group of people say. Uh, so look forward to that one. Mm. It, it's quite a volatile one. Um, uh, so yeah, this issue we've got the stuff on Metal Gear that we've touched on already. We've gone hands-on with Assassin's Creed Chronicles. We've got stuff on the new Wolfenstein. A very oh, that's a good pun as well, Meeks. That yeah. Milf came up with. Yeah. We've got a story on a cool uh, on a game called uh, Tembo the Badass Elephant, which is from the developers who make Pokemon of all things. And our Ed Milf uh, did a very very good strap for that. Well, uh, He's title, good with sorry. his words from yeah, Art. Well on a side though, I would love for the word badass to be extinguished and banished from the world of games. So badass, man. Why? Forever. Badass. Because if developers were forced not Radical. to use the word badass, they might have to think, well, what is he instead then? And we'd just get she's so, a, so much more imagination. Badass, man. Like, I've, you know, I, I've walked a, a thousand miles in the shoes of badasses over the years <laughs> now, and I, I would longingly walk a few miles in the shoes of just any oh, other character trope. So that's a person. So in the in the mag now we do adverts for the podcast because we want you guys to listen, and we always take some of the best quotes from the podcast. I think that has to be in the next one. <laughs> I've walked a thousand miles in the shoes of badasses. A um, couple of other things we've got in the issue. We've got an interview uh, on Bloodborne with Miyazaki-san. That was very cool. He was. Um, very well spoken about Bloodborne and, and Dark Souls and whether or not he's able to complete them. His own and games. His, yeah, and uh, his, his favourite boss that he's done and a few more things. We also asked him to give you some, some extra tips for Bloodborne, which he did. I don't know if they're quite as useful as the ones in the current issue, to be honest, but he does share his thoughts and tips for Bloodborne. Uh, we've got an interview for Wasteland 2, which is very exciting. Um old school RPG yeah the series that inspired the original Fallout exactly that is coming to Playstation 4 so uh, we have new and improved it's actually using Unity 5 engine now so it looks decidedly better than the uh, the PC game that was already very well received last year uh, and we've also got uh, we've got stuff on the, the new Grand Theft Auto uh, TV program that's coming up BBC, we have yeah. we have our massive Bloodborne review we would have loved to have got it the issue before of course but um sadly we we weren't able to get finished code in time it just wasn't going to happen and we refuse to review things unless we've got the finished code and the time to do it if finished code turns up 24 hours before we go to print and it's a game as big as bloodborne sadly it cannot happen um i know that some people have a different thought on that one um thankfully no one we work with but we want to get things right. We won't, we won't rush out reviews just for the sake of getting a hit on the cover and extra sales. When we do review something, we're going to do it properly. Um, so you might have to wait a little bit, but you can rest assured that when you do get the review, it is the definitive one. Um, got Battlefield Hardline reviewed. Very good review in here, Phil. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it a lot, actually. I was pun I really like in there. Another pun. Uh, I don't like to dwell on the puns. I but, just look over um, the puns. But yeah, I, I think um, I think Battlefield's done a really good job of turning itself around. I mean, it was PR toxic waste um, at, at this point last year, and I think what what they've done in the single player particularly um, is really successful and really brave actually. And I don't know if they've quite been given the credit in. You know, it's been widespread. Quite single player so far. Yeah, you really enjoyed it. Didn't you? I enjoyed it a lot. I think some of the criticisms is that, so I mean, broadly, it's a cop show now mm. rather than whatever it was before. Just sort of 
sticking a GoPro on a soldier's head while buildings fell in front of him. Um, now it's a cop show, and some of the criticism has been leveled towards it is that it's not a particularly good cop show. And I agree, it isn't The Wire, right? Like, yeah. who was ever expecting it to be The Wire? I mean, The Wire won't be a very good game, to be honest. It's just <laughs> sitting around talking. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Press, yeah play, press uh, circle to whistle as Omar, right? <laughs> um, so, yeah, it isn't The Wire. I think it's stronger for being not a very good cop show. It just needs to play on those conventions. Mm. And it does that brilliantly. And, and actually, the, all the mocap performances are really convincing. Uh, even to the extent of um, it, just after the prologue, you're just kind of driving through the streets of Miami and there's a guy who wants to squeegee your windows. Yeah. And that's, that's his only part in the, in the game. He's got yeah. 30 seconds of screen time. And his performance is really, really arresting. Is it the, uh, Whoa. Is it the greatest squeegeeing you've seen in a game? It's definitely top five. Top five. I don't want to. I don't just throw these out like candy. These sort of accolades. But um, Meeks, where do you stand on the squeegee front? Like, what would you like? They obviously slap water on the car to wash it. What would you rather they wash your car with when they squeegee? Mm. <laughs> Sulfuric acid. Sulfuric acid. Get stuff clean. That's something actually. When I I used to hate going through like uh, car wash machines when I was a kid. Like, I, I'm also very you, cla- and you claustrophobic. Say, you say that you're not. Yeah, you it's a combination of like big whirring things with lots of water running down. It is very loud, doors. isn't it? Yeah, it's not a comfortable experience. Kid, yeah. Adverts make car washes really sexy. Like, you know, yeah, I remember that there were being like a watch advert in the 90s where the girl goes through the car wash and she comes out looking all sexy and her hair's perfectly tussled. Like, because because the, uh, the she was in a convertible car and the roof accidentally <laughs> right. opened and she comes out like, what, I'm just sexier now. Car washes are not sexy in real life. They're it's really quite to the troubling. It's experience, I think, it's in Turner and Hooch when Turner makes Hooch go through the, uh, <laughs> the car wash and he takes the roof of the convertible off. There's a good um, Kirby Enthusiasm episode in which uh, Larry David's wife has to get out of the car mid-car mid-wash. wash because she's got a bad stomach. My, uh, my, uh, my dad had... I can't remember if it was when he had his Rover. It was quite a while back. And if you turned on the engine, like the aerial would come out automatically. <laughs> and he, I think he was like mid car wash and he turned it on because he wanted to, I don't know, maybe he wanted to put the, the air on or something, I don't know. And the aerial just went, <laughs> and it started extending destroyed. like when the roller was halfway along the roof. And there's just this inevitability about it because he couldn't like get it back in soon enough. <laughs> and you just heard this squeal as, as the roller moved back, wrapped up the aerial, just wrenched it off. <laughs> I love that. Brilliant. Uh, and thankfully, I don't think it stuck there because otherwise it would have gone back, scraping the car with the Ooh. metal aerial. That could have been even worse. Even louder so at noises. Least, at least it didn't do that. Hi, Dad, by the way. Um, so, so in conclusion, Battlefield Hardline is the yeah. opposite of having your car aerial wrenched out by a car. Well, I think that's the definitive oh, there's, right there. There's a call for you. And uh, a few other things we've got in the issue. We've got hands-on tests of Rainbow Six Siege, which you won't have seen since E3 last year, in fact. We've gone hands-on with that again. Uh, with Mad Max. And we've got some uh, cool stuff on Street Fighter V. Uh, hands-on thoughts on Steins Gate, which you might not have heard about. Yeah, this is worth shouting about. But it is a very, very cool... Um, visual novel game in the veins of um, Virtue's Last Reward or 999, that kind of thing. It's perhaps the most famous of them all in Japan. It spawned anime spin-offs, loads of merch, tons of stuff. It's coming to PS3 and PS Vita. Um, we've got a page on it, including a... Is it a llama with a person's head? It's one of my favourite screenshots for a long while. Yeah, it's llama uh, oh man. No, al- alpaca man. Alpaca man, rather. Okay. Alpaca with a with a human head on it, which 
uh, might well become the thing of your nightmares after you read the issue, so be warned. Um, Killing Floor 2, Severed, Lego Jurassic Park. Uh, sorry, Jurassic Lego World. World, I misspoke, yes. uh, which you played as well. And I, I predictably loved, which is so surprising Who for the biggest would Jurassic Park it? madman in the universe. Shall we wrap up the podcast with some questions? Why yes. not? Uh, so I literally put the shout out five minutes before we ran down to do this podcast because it's all kind of last minute because I, I delayed my flight back uh, and I didn't give anyone any warning. Um, so let's see what we've got on Twitter. Uh, Someone must have said something. Nick Ellis asks, are you concerned over the number of remastered games being released on next-gen consoles? That's something we touched upon last yeah, podcast yeah, and last issue. We've covered that in the mag before. Actually, with a, a, a burning question debate on it about two issues ago, in fact we've two or three issues ago. we have uploaded that very argument now uh onto games uh, radar or have we or did i just put a screenshot and put it on facebook uh I i'm think not I sure that. one way or another i think i did that actually so on, on, on our facebook somewhere. yeah a couple of weeks ago on facebook i did actually put a post out um about that very issue a screenshot on the page and asking our fellow readers what their opinions were and there was a great debate, actually, that spawned off the back of that uh, that I, I recommend you go check out because there, there's mixed opinion. Like there was in the office, two of us were in favour, two of us weren't. Mm. Um, God, of, God of War 3 Remastered being the latest game to get the remastering treatment. Mm. That comes with out in photo, July. With a photo mode. Photo mode, which is very exciting. Um, so, yeah, uh, it would have been in issue 107 that we had that debate and that debate continued on our Facebook page a couple of weeks ago, so go check that out. Um, hashtag Marvel T-E-E. I don't know what that means. T-E-E. Capital T, small T, capital T. Goodness me. Uh, or at Tezza1985 uh, says, with the delay of Uncharted 4, how concerned are you for this holiday season from a first-party perspective and first-party going forward? Um, I don't know about you guys. I mean, I think it's a huge blow that Uncharted's been bumped back to 2016 for Christmas sales. Um, it's no secret that Microsoft are going to have Halo 5 and... or Yeah, Halo 5 Guardians, that's mm -hmm. what it's called, and Tomb Raider this Christmas, unless one of those slips... And there was, there was a real Tomb Raider versus Uncharted battle heating up for Christmas mm. that now longer isn't going to happen. And in fact, Uncharted bumping back to next year might bring it closer in line to when we expect Tomb Raider to eventually make its way to PS4 as well, uh, which is something we all fully expect to see. Um, so I think, I think that is a blow, and it definitely weakens Sony's hand at the end of the year. Uh, no Man's Sky is on course for a 2015 release, so that's going to be a big Christmas game. But whether that's capable of being the big Christmas game for PS4, mm. I'm not entirely sure. I don't yeah, think it's no, quite no. the game that, that you need to to hang a big Christmas off. Well, and I mean, Sony hasn't shown its hand completely yet. Exactly. So we have you know, a thing. lot of big conferences. Yeah. E3 that takes that whole We're expecting quite a lot at E3. It's very exciting. Um, so it would be wrong to, to voice any concern really until like mid-June when we kind of know better what what Sony's working on. Um, obviously, there'll be some multi-format stuff in terms of Metal Gear 5. It's going to be in September. Battlefront, I would imagine, would be sometime near the Star Wars film, November or December time. Um, you've got some great, great games that are on track for this year. But don't be surprised if, if we see something from Guerrilla Games at E3. There was the concept art that was leaked last year of the robot dinosaurs. Mm. Like We're all really excited to see what 
uh, Gorilla's making, it's almost certainly not going to be Killzone. Um, and who knows? Maybe the Last Guardian is gonna is gonna come back <laughs> and uh, and be the big Christmas game. Oh, wow, that would be what I mean, why special as a two D Vita title. Two D PSP title. <laughs> but, but but no, I think I think we're all really excited by what first party stuff Sony has and just hasn't revealed yet. Uh, and you know what? As as upsetting as it is to have Uncharted miss Christmas. It's for the best. Like if they weren't yeah. confident in getting Uncharted what it needs to be, they shouldn't be releasing mm. it rushed. They should take the time to make it the best game it can possibly. I wasn't be. that surprised. They did someone with The Last of Us, and look how The Last of Us turned out. They delayed that quite late in the game until you know kind of like late spring the following year. So mm. and yeah, you know, that's one of the greatest games that's ever been made. So Colin Williams, uh, who is the crazy man who voted for Meeks's, uh Batman Arkham Knight pun. I love you. Uh, he, he has also posted a picture of a 20th anniversary PlayStation box. Ooh, nice. He says, uh, uh, if you can ask this on the podcast, if this was yours, would you open it or leave it sealed? Mm. I, I'd open it. I, I'm not going to sell it again. It so there's no point having it sealed. I'd, I'd probably open it, yeah. I'd, I'd use it. I'd have does it. He, does oh, he already know. have a PS4? If he already has a PS4, I'd say... Leave that sealed. Leave that sealed and get twenty million pounds for it in five years time. <laughs> Wouldn't you feel? A, uh, I guess not. Like I would feel empty if I then sold it and lost it. If I was sitting on like mega bucks, maybe not. But I don't know. I I'm a collector. I'm not. I don't hoard things to sell later on down the line. I'd want to have it out and. I'd yeah. hold on to it. Try and get somebody to sign it. <laughs> and then retire and then off the sell the sealed the box. What, what are you saying, Phil? Your your games editor of official PlayStation magazine. Why can't you s- sign it? And sell it. No. Okay. Sell it to I your keep mom. it sealed. De- devalue it instantly. It. It's worth ten pounds now. Draw a picture of my face on it and then whap it on eBay. Oh, guys, I need you to keep talking. I'm reading these questions. Okay. Um, <laughs> and the final bid is zero P. It's all right. I've got one. Steve Turner has rescued the day from Facebook. Should I buy a sandwich from the shop adjacent to my place of work or wait three hours until I'm in the town centre and buy a bacon butty? That would be an ecumenical matter. <laughs> I'm not sure this is in our jurisdiction. So he's going to buy a bacon butty in three hours' time. That seems an odd time to eat a bacon That was butty. an hour ago. Like the, the fact is, like when we get this answer out to you, Steve, it's going to be too late anyway. <laughs> he is starved the to only death. option now is a bacon butty, well, which you... he should leave sealed and get how, signed. How odd to have a bacon butty like in mid-afternoon? I find that well, lunchtime. That'd be strange. lunchtime. He'd be having it. That's it's fine. still strange. Isn't you don't it? know so when he's a breakfast. Though. I don't know what his working hours are. It's a, it's a, making a lot of presumptions. Okay, about this maybe man. if he's on the night shift, it's fine. If uh, you're on the night shift, I'd agree it fine. If if he's going to eat the sandwich at the same time, be getting the bacon butty anyway. Just wait and get the bacon butty. Get That's both. my take. But you um, get a really nice sandwich that was more filling than a bacon butty. More filling than a bacon I'm, butty. I'm in sandwich territory. Go and buy yourself an exceedingly nice sandwich. I'm getting quite hungry. Phil, uh, that's because it's lunchtime. Now, <laughs> so, uh, we'll, we'll ask a couple more. Phil Smart says, I'm a, uh, I'm a JRPG fan who's held off the PS4 so far due to the lack of games uh, that he fancies, uh, but he's looking at Disgaea 5 and Persona, uh, Persona 5 and thinking, will they mean it's time... Will those games mean it's time to upgrade for RPG fans? Sorry, I'm so jet lagged, guys. <laughs> I'm hanging together. Uh, I so obviously like those games aren't available yet. So if those are the games that are making you most excited, it doesn't mean that you have to rush out and buy a PS4 yet because you're still gonna have quite a wait. Um, I think 
Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm confident. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm pretty confident they'll be good. I think. Uh, like, I think well, I'm sure Persona will be. I don't know about Disguise. Like, I, I love the the early Disguise, but I think I've sort of had my fill of them now. Mm. Um, but Persona Five, very much so. That's going to be something pretty special. I think. Uh, obviously, there's some stuff out there right now, like Type Final Fantasy Type Zero um, HD is. Nah, it's I'll, I'll probably get killed by so the the Type Zero mega fans out there, and I'm speaking as a Final Fantasy mega fan myself. I think it's not worth buying a PS4 for, but if you yeah, own a PS4 and you are feeling starved of JRPGs, which you should rightly do, um, there are certainly worse things to spend your money on, and you also get the demo for Final Fantasy 15, which. I mean, honestly, that gives you hours and hours and hours of content. Um, it lasts longer than the Order 1886, to be perfectly frank. <laughs> so I'd buy that and like sink a lot of time into it. Um, well, there's Shovel Knight coming up, which isn't patently isn't a JRPG, but does play on a lot of the uh, 16-bit era JRPG conventions. So, you know, and, and I... Shovel Knight is worth buying anything for. It's worth buying the limited edition 20th anniversary PS4 with my face drawn on it, just to play on. Uh, and finally, Carlos this is a bit early, it's not even, it's only just early April, but Rob Sweet asks, what do we think the game of the year will be this year so far, and what are your picks? The so far swaying me, Rob, I don't know if you mean like of the games that are currently out, or are we predicting for the end of the year? Uh, we Out do? so far, Bloodborne game of the year in total will be Metal Gear Five. I can say that confidently. Job done. Shovel Knight. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, it probably will still be Shovel Knight. Um, I think I think Blood, Bloodborne. For Bloodborne's me been is the so biggest far. deal. Are we you, mm. unanimous on that of the games? If we had to pick yes, one so far, so far on, on a personal level, like I'm, I'm not going to play Bloodborne, but I do appreciate that it's a massive deal, and yep. I've seen everybody playing and talking about it. You're for it, Taylor. End, yeah, end of the year, like of everything. Well, I guess The Witcher will have a, a show. I'd, I'd say it's it's tough. Mm. Like, I mean, Bloodborne may still be it, but there are so many good games. Like Batman Arkham Knight is looking pretty sweet. Um, Met- like Meeks, I find it tough to look beyond Metal Gear Five. Um, I think ba- I mean Battlefront might come and, and be the game that everyone. It might well. It might well, or it could be something that we haven't even heard of yet. Um, no Man's Sky if it does come out this year I think, I think for me it'll be The Witcher I mean it's a personal choice thing isn't it I'll, sp- I'll probably be spending more time in The Witcher than any of those other games brilliant um, oh in fact one la- final final question because it's really quick and I can answer this very easily uh, Jason Fairlam asks with Mortal Kombat X around the corner and Street Fighter 5 in the future have we tried any arcade sticks instead of controllers and can we recommend a good one uh I fully, fully recommend the Mad Cats Tournament Fighting Stick based on um, the last gen one that I used for Street Fighter. Uh, Mad Cats are going to be making Street Fighter 5 peripherals, of which one must certainly, certainly be their Tournament Fighting Stick. Um, and it's great. Like It's hands down what you should be playing fighting games with. Uh, so that won't be out for a while so obviously if you want something for Mortal Kombat X I, you can't hold off <laughs> like many 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 months for that um, but if Mortal Kombat's less pressing um, definitely definitely save up your money for that it'll be quite expensive when it comes out they always are uh, you're talking well over £100 um, but if you're big into your fighting game then that is an investment that will serve you very very well 
job done. Uh, cool. So thank you very much for listening. Uh, I really hope the Wade Barrett interview stuff did work. Again, apologies if it didn't. And it was just silence <laughs> or keyboard cat and just me pretending there was audio there when there was never any audio there. Um, but thank you very much. Keep your comments for the podcast and the magazine rolling in. Keep your uh, votes coming in for the best puns of the mag. Because uh, we might Spotify we playlist must, requests. Phil Spotify playlist. Phil sexy next Exactly. And uh, we will uh, be talking to you again one month from now. Thank you very much. <laughs>